Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. We're going to spend the next two hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation, as always, on news and politics, business and development, some community events, recreation, some news and some politics. Uber producer Dan Peters is here today. Dan and I will take you up to 5 o'clock. Thanks for spending some time with us this afternoon through your radio, streamed live on KSO.com or on the KSOO mobile app. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. And uh, this is day two of the Barry White edition of the Patrick Lally Show as my voice continues to drop further and further into uh, some tone unfamiliar with human ears. It's kind of cool, though, ain't it? So the storm's over. That was, how about that? That was a storm, right? I didn't ride my bike to work today, but I could have. It wasn't that bad. All right. It's windy and cold, and it's slippery a little bit. And the thing that keeps me from riding sometimes on days like this is when it's uh, uh, slippery like that, I worry about you people in your cars more than I normally do because you're sliding through intersections, you're slipping around corners, you're kind of out of control sometimes. Guilty. Yep. Guilty, I'm guilty. Did you slide Today. through? Oh, dear. I it was like, was that an intersection where I thought, you know, that light's lasting a little bit longer than it normally is. Maybe I can make it. And then, oh, nope, no, this isn't going to end well. Ah! Yeah, the old <laughs> <laughs> with the anti-lock brakes going through the end. <laughs> so at least if I was like, well, I'm going in this intersection, I might as well pull myself out of the slide and make it look good like so I could drive like a stunt man. <laughs> you know, it's a little, it, there's nothing more helpless than that because you feel like you're in control. You know, you're driving along, you feel like you're in control and everything's fine. And then you try and stop and you don't stop and you just keep on going. And you're like, oh, please, Lord, nobody pull out in front of me. And uh, most times you're all right. But if you're out there on a bike, you feel a little bit more vulnerable. And uh, that's not good. So I didn't, I didn't ride today, but uh, there's a big bike event coming up uh, later tonight that I'm going to tell you about here in a moment. And you've been hearing about it here at the Bike Summit. But uh, like most of you, I was happy that there wasn't that much snow with this front. You know, they're, early on, they're like, oh, it could be four or five inches. And so we kind of, oh, God, not that again. But I think we really need to come up with a different terminology for these winter weather events, Dan. We, we need to clump it all together into what we call storms. We, we Right now, we kind of clump that all together, you know what I'm saying? So we're like, oh, there's a winter storm. And it's it's basically a front, you know. This wasn't really a storm. It was a front. And a vigorous, it's a vigorous front in terms of the wind. No doubt about that. But a front with uh, a, just a, a, a little moisture. It didn't have much moisture. So... I think, you know, this happens all the time, and there's a lot of varying degrees of severity. They also aren't predictable, you know. They change. They, the, the course changes. It goes north. It goes south. But I think we need a numbering system. You know what I'm saying? Like they have with hurricanes. Or maybe a color scheme like they do with the uh, national security. Yeah, like this the is orange a, level threat. This is an orange storm, people. An orange storm. Hoard canned goods. Um, but I, I just think that this would help because like this, I think today really it's a one, you know, it's an, it's an event 
it's it's not a normal day, but it's a one. I would go as high as a three if you're depending upon what scale you're looking at. Well, how how well, what's your scale? A, it could maybe be a two, maybe a two. So it's one to five. One to okay, five. one to Just five, like then one or two. There we go. Yeah, but because the, the wind is significant and it's cold. If there would have been more snow, you know, like six inches, like, you know, they're talking about maybe, then it's a three with the wind. About 12 inches or so, I'm thinking a four. Uh, and the big ones, you know, more than a foot of snow with the high winds, that's a five. That's a debilitating storm. That is a, I'm trapped in my house for three days and we're worried about the power situation. And that would also apply to the freezing rain event, which we have also endured in the Sioux Falls area. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's some room for interpretation there because there's, you know, a lot of factors that go into it. There's the cold, the wind, the moisture, what kind of moisture it is, you know. So there's there there are many factors. So, but just snow with light winds, say, like, which almost never happens, but it does happen, means a, a downgrade by one point. So if you've got 12 inches of snow with light winds, it's three, you know. If there was freezing rain below that, like freezing rain with a foot of snow, you might keep it at a, a you know, a little higher grade there. Uh, but, you know, an, a foot of snow without, if it just comes down normal, that's manageable. It's manageable. It's troublesome. It's troublesome. You got It's kind of a pain in the butt, but it's manageable. Uh, then you layer in you, into that, you know, range what normally happens at each level, like school closings. Bus delays, cancellations, you know, no sports, plowing, that kind of thing. It's a three-storm, people. Remember, a three-storm means these things usually happen. You know, then we'd have a general idea of what's coming and how to prepare. Then when it changes, you just say, ah, you know, it was, we thought it was going to three, a three, now it's a two. Or what have you. To me, that's better than the, the sort of broad, amorphous stuff about warning, watch, advisory. Because we went from a watch to an advisory. Is today an advisory? Really? I don't, I, it's hardly even an advisory. No, actually, the, all of that would have ended by this morning, but it actually was a winter weather advisory mm-hmm. last night. Yeah. Into, yeah. But once the, once the wind started, you know, once the precipitation stopped, then, then everything's kind of dropped. Because the sun's out now. You know, I could ride my bike. It's fine. Northwest wind at 26. You got to go north or west? Uh, sort of to get to work. Eek. Yeah, well, you buckle down, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I should ride to the Bike Summit tonight, which I want to tell you folks about. We've been talking about a little bit. It Here's what I want to tell people. The Bike Summit isn't just like for uh, policy people or like racers or anything like that. It's for anybody who enjoys riding their bike because it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a big party down at the Icon Lounge, and I'll be late because we're on the air till 5, but it starts at 5, and it's Razdak and Fab, but it's a lot of other, it's all the bike shops in town, which is great. Um, all different kinds of events that go on. People that put on events around the region, they're going to be there. Um, of course, Fab and Razdak will have all their information. 5 to 6.30, you can hang out. It's a social hour. You can visit with the bike shops, the groups, everybody, uh, even if you just come down for that. But at 6 to 6.30 is the Fab annual meeting. That'll be going off kind of in one part of the building. If you're a Fab member, you come on by, find out what's going on. We've got new board members, new president, uh, all of that stuff. Then 6.30, is uh, the the announcement of the RASDAQ route for 2018, the ride across South South Dakota. So there's going to be a lot of cool stuff, some 
uh, music and all that. Live music from the Warning Shots starts at 7 p.m. It's all down at Icon. Come on down. It's not that bad outside. It's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to seeing everybody I know and hopefully some new faces. I get I get notes from people all the time or I see it on Facebook. I just moved to town. I need this. I need that. Are there anybody out there? Well, this is your chance to get it all in one big package. Should be fun. I, Dan Peters should be down there. Well, I'm, I would be down there, but my philosophy is it has to meet a certain standard, and my standard is the route has to be leaked by a, you know, by somebody first before <laughs> I can go. It's like, oh, okay, they're actually leaking information about it. Then you can come as a then news I can, event. Oh, yeah. We should see if we could get like a, uh, a, a embargoed release from my friends at Razdaq. Ooh. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be quite cool. This just in. Uh, that's well, That's what I'm going to be doing tonight, but I want to tell you about one other thing, and we have talked about it on the show earlier this week, and that is uh, tonight from 6.30 to 8.30 uh, is the Call to Freedom Education, Prayer, and Worship Night uh, because January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and we had uh, the Call to Freedom, uh, uh, and now her name's escaped me. Uh, Becky Rasmussen. Rasmussen. Becky Rasmussen. She was on earlier this uh, week, and you know it's a very important work that they're doing. Uh, it's an organization that provides a safe place for victims and survivors of human trafficking and those at risk. Uh, the worship and education event is at Sioux Falls First Church at 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Wear blue, call to freedom.org. Uh, I just want to make sure that we remind people of that really important event. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Jody Schwan. She's the founder of Sioux Falls Dot Business. She'll be in to look at the coming year for business and development in our city. A lot going on. Another great year coming up, I think. Sarah Lundquist and Annie Garretts of NAMI Sioux Falls will be here. They've got a, uh, uh, they want to talk about the family-to-family classes that NAMI puts on. And the smart cyclist will be here for Weird Friends. I will have a P&L statement just after the next break. Today's topic, working for your health care. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 319 on the Patrick Lally Show. And we're going to get a little closer to free here on Information 1000 KSOO with the P&L statement. A couple things going on today that I want to talk about. First of all, we've been talking about immigration all week, and I see today that the House Republicans' hard-line immigration stand clashes with Trump Overture story in the New York Times. I saw it today, but it's, it's out there all over because it happened today. Prominent House Republicans stepped forward on Wednesday with a vision of immigration policy that clashed fiercely with President Trump's recent overtures of bipartisanship and highlighted how difficult it will be for Congress and the president to reach accord in the coming weeks. So essentially they're saying, mm, no, not, it's going to be worth here's Here's our sort of minimum standard, and it is uh, not really anywhere close to uh, what they were talking about yesterday or Tuesday in their big meeting. Uh, their plan would verify, require employers to use an internet-based system known as E-Verify to confirm that they are hiring only legal workers, crack down on so-called sanctuary cities by denying them federal grants, allow for the detention of minors who are arrested at the border with their parents, and toughen sentences for criminals who have been deported. Uh, it would end the lottery program, uh, as Mr. Trump wants, and end family-based migration for all relatives other than spouses and minor children. 
Uh, it would offer three-year renewable work permits to DACA recipients without offering them a path to citizenship. It would also reduce legal immigration. Um, you know, this was coming, obviously. The House Republican Caucus is dominated by anti-immigration conservatives who see no room or benefit to compromise on immigration. As I've said many times, I think this is an economic issue for me. My sense is that conservatives aren't worried about the wages in this effort. It would be a legitimate argument, at least, if what you were saying is that immigration was suppressing wages on the low end of the spectrum. But we're at full employment, people. That's just not the issue that I see. South Dakota needs immigration. We need labor, skilled labor, intellectual capital in the worst way. Further limiting legal immigration, let alone the issues of DACA and the estimated 11 million people in this country without permission, will only exacerbate the problems that we're having in South Dakota. A lot of people in this state want to see immigration reform, and uh, I don't know, doesn't seem good. I hope they can work something out because we really need to move forward finally on this issue. Uh, but that brings me to Medicaid. In his State of the State address earlier this week, and I just haven't been able to get back to this, um, but it, uh, the governor, the GWD governor, Dennis Dugard, in his final State of the State on Tuesday, said that he, uh, South Dakota, should is seeking a Medicaid work requirement. Now, there was uh, other news on that today on the federal level in that uh, the Trump administration says states may impose work requirements for Medicaid. There were 10 states that already made requests to put these things in. Um, we weren't on that list, but we, as the governor said earlier this week, we want to be. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, the governor's uh, change would apply to, this is from the AP story from earlier this week, the change would apply to about 4,500 low-income, able-bodied parents who are not caring for a child under the age of one. The governor proposed piloting the new requirement in Minnehaha and Pennington counties. Work is an important part of personal fulfillment, Dugard said. By making this adjustment to our Medicaid program, we can continue to help those who need it the most and start to connect with those who can work with jobs that give them the sense of self-worth and accomplishment. You know, and I, I, those are good words. There's nothing wrong with what he says there. Uh, he has asked the Department of Social Services to pursue the waiver. Um, we have the average monthly Medicaid enrollment was roughly 120,000 people last, last state budget year, which is a lot. I mean, that's a lot of people. Um, but that's total, uh, total number of people involved. The, what the governor is talking about would apply to 4,500 of those. So it's a really small sliver. Um, there's uh, a lot of people in the world who don't like this. And according to the uh, AP story, Joan Elker, executive director of Georgetown University Center for Children and Families, said low-income parents are not driving the cost of Medicaid program. Quote, we're talking about the very, very poorest families in a state and applying a work requirement to these parents, the majority of whom are women, and is in my judgment counterproductive. It's fiscally inefficient, and it's just downright cruel. Um, you know, as I look at it, uh, my, my issues, on the whole, I don't think it's a terrible idea, first of all with some caveats. And I, you know, I know the governor here is not uh, not cruel. However, I do think it's not going to do what maybe the GWD and the other governors think it will do. A couple points. First, I think the parents with children 
uh, younger than at least three should be exempt rather than just one. If the work or activity requirements mean that a parent involved in this has to pay for daycare to make this happen, then it's going to add a burden that is counterproductive. Second, community activist community activities and volunteering have just as much effect on the work ethic than a cashier or a janitor. And I, I know that there is talk about that and that should be included. If you are volunteering to at, at, at the banquet or whatever, you're working, working every day. The problem is that even if you're working full time at nine or $10 an hour, you're still going to qualify for Medicaid. Uh, and if you have to pay for childcare, you're not really getting ahead of the game. So I don't think this is going to get people off Medicaid. I maybe said Medicare, I meant Medicaid. Remember, Medicaid is for poor people, Medicare is for old people. Third, it's 4,000 people in South Dakota, 4,500. That's just not that many. How many of these supposedly able-bodied adults suffer from some form of mental illness that isn't diagnosed, uh, substance abuse, a lot of other issues that may be involved in there that need uh, addressing before the work ethic will really kick in? That doesn't mean that some of them can't work. That's not what I'm saying. But it's a factor that needs to be addressed. You essentially need caseworkers. That's what unemployment, if you're on unemployment, which the, the governor referenced being very similar, you have essentially have a caseworker. Um, and you work with that person to find work. And then the, the requirements go up and up and up. Fourth, we must be very careful not to demonize the poor, to stereotype them, to suggest that Medicaid recipients are less than worthy human beings who are sucking at the teat of the public treasury. Medicaid and Medicare are desperately important programs for the people of the United States. Yeah, it's expensive and getting more so, and that's an issue. But forcing people off just because you perceive them as lazy is wrong. The GDD has a good heart. I know that. His history proves that. His words are measured. I know his proposal is well-intended, but there are plenty of people in our state in public office and out who are not. People born on third base, as they say. People born into good, supportive families. People have no real understanding of struggle. That's not everybody. That's not what I'm saying. A lot of people have worked their way up. Almost everybody does, to be sure. But the other side of that, the dark side, does exist. Work is good. Volunteering is good. Contributing to society in whatever way you can for the benefit that you receive from society is good. We'd all be well to measure ourselves against that standard, whether you're on Medicaid or not. That's the bottom line on today's PL. You can agree or disagree with me. Send me an email, Patrick at KSO.com. Jump in on our Twitter feed at P Lally Show if you've got an alternative viewpoint. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show for Weird Friends, it's the Smart Cyclist. We're going to talk about music and arts with the Smart Cyclist because he's that kind of guy. That's all coming up next on Information 1000 KSOO. 335 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we bring in the smart cyclist for Weird Friends with the English beat, my friends. Mirror in the Bathroom. One of my favorite songs of all time. Mr. Smart Cyclist, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. There we go. Got to push all the right buttons, man. So uh, I was mentioning the uh, Bike Summit tonight. Uh, yes. You'll be there. I'll be there. You've been ill I think, recently. I think I have a gig tonight you, as, as part of that summit. I, you're going to be, uh, uh, what do you call, sworn in, 
You'll be, uh, uh, what do you call it when you christened, christened maybe as the new president of the Falls Area Bicyclists. Congratulations. Paint a picture of a bright, shiny future for yes. Falls Area Bicyclists. Shining, Falls Cycling. shining bike city on the hill. Yes. Um, but you haven't been riding because you've been sick. I have. I've, I've struggled in 2018. I've exercised twice. Oh, my. Once was last week and once was today. You said you, because you were here last week and you, were, I, you weren't feeling well. Yes. But you were still on the upswing, you thought. I had high expectations for riding that weekend and suffered, suffered for the last week. But I only have one question for you. Yes, did sir. You, did you sound like this before it got bad? <laughs> no, I, I do not sound as good as you right now. <laughs> well, that, well, there's something going there then. I don't have to worry <laughs> that I'm getting sick. I just, I don't know what's wrong with me. It's going to be fine, I'm sure. Tis the season. Yeah. On the upside, I sound fantastic. Um, so you, what have you been doing then if you haven't been riding? You've been basically laying around for the last couple of weeks. I've been, I've been waiting for my January fun to start. And so I started looking around at what's going on in the city arts-wise. Yeah, because you are, I mean, let's just say this, you're, you're a man of many talents, uh, not just a, a dedicated cyclist, but really a sophisticated man of, of many interests, right? I do have lots of interests, arts being one of them, and... I dabble in running them sometimes, um, but here I want to be a consumer this month. You're just going to go to some stuff. I want to go to some stuff. What's on your calendar, man? This weekend, the Monsters Little Theater Company doing John Paul Sartre's No I think Exit. It's Sartre, yes. What I, is that? I am a, for one, I'm a fan of really small theater companies. Ever since spending some time in Chicago and going to, you know, a group of five people in a garage putting on a show or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, this is, this, I'm not sure how big it is. Maybe the cast is three. <laughs> the maybe, monstrous maybe little. Maybe there's five or six involved in the production. Um, but, yeah, it's downtown at Exposure Gallery on Phillips and 6th. Phillips and 6th. And uh, going to hit that up Saturday night just to see how it goes. So the Monstrous Little Theater Company, are they a touring organization? They are not. They are they, local. Oh, cool. I recognize some of the faces from Bear Bodkin's Theater. Ah, at least one of the faces from that. So, so have you seen Jean-Paul Sartre's No Exit? I have not. Do you know anything about the, the, the piece? I, my reading says that it's three people in hell. Nice. And discussing, I don't know, their lives or their futures or what it's like being in hell. How I ended up in hell. <laughs> it's a little light viewing. Some light, yes, yeah, some dark comedy maybe. That's, uh, when is that? Tonight. Tonight? Friday night and Saturday night. Do you know what time? Seven. Seven-ish? Seven-ish. At uh, Exposure Gallery, which is a little corner operation down there at 6th and Phillips. Yeah, the small and mighty Exposure Gallery. Yes. Last time I was there, it was the most recent art maze. Yeah, that was cool, wasn't yeah. it? So that'll be fun. Yes. Um, and then Swimpire Community Theater's cranking up, I see. Heathers. Yeah. Did so you ever see that movie? I, I was going to ask, is that the movie? That is the musical adaptation of the movie. Hello, my darling. Hello, my baby. Hello, my ragtime gal. Yes. That but that song's thing? not in it. Oh, yes. okay. Um, you know what? I don't think I actually saw the movie. Really? I just heard about so it. So 1988, I get hired at the Empire Six Theaters, and that was the first movie I saw as an employee. Free movies! <laughs> <laughs> was Winona, it good? Was it a good Ryder. movie? It's a dark comedy. Okay. It's a high school flick. Yeah. And... Uh, it's three Heathers, three girls named Heathers, three oh. girls named Heather. Um, 
there's a lot of well uh, I don't know what is it Valley Girl stuff back then 1988 so and then Winona Ryder is the um, the dark lead character um, the musical, she's not in this production however. she's not the musical <laughs> is a whole different thing um, this is a local production by Sioux Empire Community Theater my wife and I went to this musical in Omaha a couple of years ago really it was a sold-out thing I, I played the hey I just got to town and saw that you're doing this can you find us seats Really? And they, right before the show started, they brought out two seats, put them right smack dab in the front. <laughs> talk about great treatment. That was, I think, the Blue Barn Theater. Oh, cool. And, uh, and great musical, pretty naughty one, particularly naughty song that uh, is just hilarious. Naughty, naughty. And uh, yeah, they, the Super Community Theater says, you know, consider carefully whether you should bring your kids. It's not mm-hmm. for the family even is what it says. So, but yeah, dark comedy there. So I'm, while I'm not going to this particular production, I highly recommend it for those who are brave enough to do a dark comedy. That starts January 18th. They'll have a ton of showings. Yeah. They always do. January 18th into okay. February, into early February. Yeah. And then it gets even better. Speaking of the late 80s, early 90s, <laughs> that was the future. Yeah. This is the past. So Rich Show is doing his big deal on January 27th. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, Rich Show has history in my family as it's like a number of the first dates my wife and I went on. You're kidding me. Were Rich Show Violet Productions. Nice. At the former Lifelight. Limelight. 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 Lifelight's a different deal entirely. It is a different deal entirely. Uh, So yeah, that. You know what's funny about that is the Limelight is now connected to the Orpheum. It's all part of that. And this show is at the Orpheum. Yes. So it's like going home. It's all like. This is the future. That was the past. It just keeps going over and over. That'll be cool. That's January 27th. Yes. But you can't go. I can't go because months ago, the uh, South Dakota Symphony came out with their schedule, and I always try and pick two Mm. to go to. And I picked one of the ones we picked. I picked for the family. So usually it's focused around uh, movie music Mm -hmm. because that's what gets the boys there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, video games live, which has some sort of multimedia. Yeah, it's supposed to be cool. I don't know. I've just seen like trailers. It looks yeah. uh, pretty intense. Yeah. So you're going to that. So yeah, when I had to pick my two for this year, uh, that one made the cut, and so you know that weekend is crazy because on the the night that Rich is playing at the Orpheum, uh, I can't remember his name. He's the front man for Trampled by Turtles. He's playing at Icon. Oh really? And I would love that show. Yes. And uh, my boys, uh, either Hard Travel or Condor, I can't remember it which is. iteration of that band, right. is playing at uh, Fernson. Yes. So, I don't know, maybe I can catch all three, kind of. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, although, Parts of all three? Yeah, maybe, how I don't know what you, time they all How start. can you pull yourself away from any of them to go see <sighs> another one of them? Yeah, I don't know. And then, <laughs> you know, I'm on. missing video games, so there you go. <laughs> there you go. So why, um, as you say, you are you are a, 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 a advocate of the arts community. What, what what's the draw for you? Uh, a well-rounded life, other yeah. people's other people performing, other people being excellent at what they do and putting it on show for everybody. Yeah, I really like that. That's cool. And and yeah, we do it. Um, we do all sorts of stuff. We do, we take in arts once in a while. I would probably think that you're. Um, your your lovely wife Monique probably um, elevates your level of uh, I don't know part- not participation but your 
she she enlightens you, let's just say that, as to what you may or may not intend. Monique is a very smart woman, yes. Yes, she is. Uh, shout out to Monique. We don't ever do that. Yeah. We talk about your sons all the time. We, we do. never talk about it, Monique. We do. I do have a wife. Yes. For she's like a, 24 years now or wow. something like that. And she's a lovely human being yes. that I have known since like seventh grade, but we won't go and into that, that either. is even further past. <laughs> It's a small world. It is. It's a small world, Michael. When you live in the same place for as long as we have, yes. it's all connected. Yes. Uh, Michael Christensen, he is the smart cyclist, and he will be in, inducted as the president of FAB this evening at the Bike Summit. Starts at 5, uh, the social hour and all that, and uh, 6. Programming at 6. Programming at 6, music at 7. Yes. With the band, the warning shots that I have concerns about, but that's okay. <laughs> Just because of the membership. There you go. Uh, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat with Sarah Lundquist and Annie Garretts of NAMI. We're going to talk about the family-to-family classes. That'll be enlightening. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I moved into this room. If you could call it that a week ago, I never do what I'm supposed to. And we're joined in the studio by Sarah Lindquist, and we are awaiting the arrival of Annie Garretts. I'm only saying that because not to po- not to call her out, but I had, you know, said she was going to be here. So if her friends and family are huddled around the radio somewhere, I'm sure she'll be here any minute. Uh, but Sarah Lindquist with uh, Nami Sioux Falls is here in the studio. Uh, Sarah, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. So. Uh, you are connected to NAMI, which is uh, used to be called the National Alliance of, for the Mentally Ill. Yes. I don't know if they still use that, but that's what it used to be called. And you're in NAMI Sioux Falls, right? That is correct. And what's your connection to NAMI? My connection, as far as a parent is concerned, uh, my son has a neurological brain disorder, and that's what got me into loving this field. Um, and so you're uh, you're on the board, you're a volunteer, that kind of thing? Uh, I am a, the new executive director. Oh, oh outstanding. Yes. Congratulations, because yes. Phyllis Ahrens was the executive director. Yes. And so you ha- are taking Phyllis's place after her uh, rather star-studded tenure as on the group. I can't take her place, but I can try to fill her shoes. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody can take Phyllis's place. No. So you are working full-time. Um, mm-hmm. But you, um, first of all, just tell non- tell the folks... Uh, there's a state chapter, there's a local chapter. What does NAMI Sioux Falls do? NAMI Sioux Falls, our primary focus is to offer supports, education, and presentations uh, in regards to making uh, people aware of mental illness or mental challenges. Um, I prefer to look at it as a mental wellness option uh, because people who want to know about it want to be well. And so we look at the whole aspect of a family-driven organization. That's how I look at this. I look at the family, I look at the business family, and I look at the social family. And so that's what mental health is. It's everybody. And so that's what we're trying to do is to get the word out there, get people educated, and to make life better and give a quality of life to individuals. And one of the things that you do is work with families. Yes. Um, support families who uh, have a member who has suffering from a mental illness of whatever time, kind, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so tell us about the the family-to-family classes that you're putting on. Well, the family-to-family class is a wonderful opportunity for pretty much anybody. Uh, what it is, it's a 12-week program. It starts this Saturday from 1 to 3.30. And the program is designed to, it's an actual evidence-based program coming from National. It's designed to teach you 
coping skills and techniques to learn how to communicate, if you will, with your loved one that lives with mental illness. And it's a phenomenal opportunity to, you're basically educating to have a quality of life. And I strongly urge people to take this class. I think it'll, I think it's life-changing. I, I think one of the uh, experiences um, that I've uh, been able to witness in my life and my experience is uh, with people who uh, have family members who are suffering from mental illness, particularly members who um, uh, die by suicide, is that that experience of meeting someone who actually does feel what you feel in terms of your family member and the struggles that go with it is, is, can be a transformational experience. It's and a, it's and that's like, what people can do when they come to these things, right? Yes. I mean, these are, these are life-changing. And I wish I would have had these classes. And um, I envy people who have the opportunity to take these classes to wrap their lives around their loved one. And um, everybody knows somebody with a mental illness. Um, this is just to get well. And um, I, I think it's a great opportunity for anybody to take the class, quite honestly. You know, we always talk about the stigma of mental illness and um, in terms of the person who has it, but for families, it can be just as uh, stigmatizing because they, on one hand, often don't understand how to support their loved one, and then on the other hand, don't feel like they have, they're reticent to to, um, tell their family or their friends or their social circle or their employer about the troubles they have um, in that support. So really there's a stigma on the family as well that we don't talk about. Oh, it's a multi-tiered challenge. Um, It's not only just their immediate family, it's your extended family. Uh, The judgments are amazing. So we're trying to change that. Um, Because when you live with someone with a mental challenge, you really need to have everybody around them. Um, Employers, same thing. They wonder, well, what? what's going on here? Well, we, we want to be able to help those employers learn how to cope with these great opportunities for them to have these fabulous employees. Yeah. And we actually are joined now by Annie Garretts. Annie, thanks for joining us. Thank Good you. to see you. Um, so uh, we've been talking about uh, NAMI in Sioux Falls and the family to family classes. What is your uh, connection to NAMI and, uh, the, the, and, and your experience with family to family? I am the program coordinator for NAMI Sioux Falls, and I help arrange um, the family-to-family program, make sure we have qualified teachers, and that we've got uh, students ready for participation. And um, we, we talked, it's, they start this Saturday. Where, when, how do I find out if I want to be involved? Where do I go and what do I do? Okay, the first thing you could do is call me at 376 376- Zero five nine five three seven six zero five nine five. Correct. Okay. And the classes are going to be held at the VA hospital in room two zero zero seven. And you just go in the front entrance of the VA, and there will be signage to lead you to the room. I see. So what happens when I get there? Especially if I haven't, I just I'm whether I have a child or a parent or a brother sister. I just, I feel like I need help coping, and I just show up. What's what's going to happen when I get there? Well, you'll be given some um, information, some written information for you, and you'll meet a great group of people 
who are going through the same struggles that you are right now. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of camaraderie and relationships are really built through this class as far as families that are dealing with an adult or a child with a mental illness. And they get to interact with other people. And the instructors are also parents of these particular ones are parents of a child with uh, a mental illness. And they have had a lot of success, a lot of heartbreak, but a lot of success with her. And she's a productive young woman right now. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what you can get out of this class is hope and some guidance and some shared stories. And how, how many classes, how long does it last? Is it just one class or is it a series of classes? It's a series of 12 classes. They begin this Saturday on the 13th of January, and they will go through March 31st. Every Saturday? Every Saturday okay. from 1 until 3. 1 till 3 every Saturday from now through March, middle of March. That's outstanding. Um, so they're uh, led by uh, other family members. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, I mean, we call these things support groups sometimes, but it really is a support circle, right, to help people understand what they're going through. That and knowledge base, yeah. too. Yeah. They yeah. will gather a lot of information. Is there, if I just want more information about NAMI in general, um, Sarah, mm-hmm. where do I go? What do I do? Um, go to namisufalls.org. Okay. Like us on Facebook. Join us on Twitter. Um, I'm looking to expand our social media on that aspect. Um, but also, too, we give us a call. Mm-hmm. Um, we offer options for individuals, and we do referrals. Yeah, outstanding. Uh, Sarah Lind- Lindquist and Annie Garretts uh, with NAMI Sioux Falls. Uh, uh, thank you very much for your work, and uh, I hope that folks, if they're feeling uh, overwhelmed at all or have uh, questions, that they'll reach out. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up after the break with Dan Peters, the news and weather, we'll have, uh, we're going to talk with Jody Schwan from Sioux Falls. Business. If you want to stick around, this is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. 358. On the Patrick Lally Show, information. 1,000. That is The Clash, Know Your Rights. Great song. You'll be hearing that more on the Patrick Lally Show. Hey, February 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the Winterfest of Wheels is coming up at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. All kinds of cars and good stuff. We'll be talking a little bit about that as we go through this month. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, news with Alex, I mean, sorry, weather with Alex Alisi and... Business News with Jody Schwan of Sioux Falls. Business. Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. You have the right. 415 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are extremely happy to have back in the studio from Sioux Falls. Business, the founder of Sioux Falls. Business, the driving force behind Sioux Falls. Business, and the I, you know, Jody Schwan. I always forget the name of your content studio. Oh, it's called Align Content Studio. Align Content Studio and Sioux Falls. Business, uh, multi-platform business news and development, all the things you need to know around Sioux Falls, right? 
Well, thanks for having me here. As always, yes, we try to, to give you everything you need to know about what's happening all around town. Not always the easiest job, as you know. Sioux Falls just keeps setting development records. Yeah. The building permits are piling up, which means more for us to chase down. Um, but that's just fine. So I had Mike Cooper on the other day, just for a brief, just because it was uh, end of the year, sort of record setting, uh, Mike Cooper Planning and Building Services Director for the mm-hmm. City of Sioux Falls, which is a nice long title. Um, and he's very bullish. First of all, we talked about the year that was, um, and driven by residential, hospital, and public. How much, if you take the public out of there, is it still a record year? Probably because you'd have to take the public out of every year, you know. That's true. Um, So you had a couple of those record years where the event center really helped Mm -hmm. tip it over the top. You had the Midco Aquatic Center one year, same thing. So you had the city administration building right in 17. A big project, but we're not talking a $50 million project here. We're talking more like, what, a 20 to 25 million? I guess 25, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, does that help? Absolutely. But minus it, if if you took it out everywhere, Mm -hmm. um, my guess is you're still looking pretty good. Schools, I don't know. But, you know, it seems like we just have really steady school construction. Yeah. And it's never never $50 million. Like you say, it'll be... $5, $10 Five ten million million here or there. There are a few places you can look for indicators about the year ahead. You can talk to the architects, you can talk to the engineers, and you can talk to Mike Cooper. So if he tells you that <laughs> things are looking good, um, I believe it because developers, builders will bring plans into the city for review sometimes months before anything is permitted. So they do get a good look at the pipeline and they have a sense of what's coming. Yeah, and there is this law, there's always a pipeline because you have to, if you're seeing warning signs, you're going to start to see them like two years out from when it really starts to kick in because you start, as you say, start seeing fewer of the initial inquiries and that's just not happening, is it? Right, and the city lays the groundwork, literally lays the groundwork for development, you know, in terms of where they decide to locate infrastructure and build roads. So they are anticipating some of this based on what significant projects have been accomplished in the years leading up to it. But no, I mean, there is not only no slowdown in sight, but I am so intrigued by the um, implications of the federal tax change. You know, we're seeing it today. We're seeing it this week with companies announcing wage increases and bonuses. And I think you're going to see it translate into more capital spending, whether that's building projects, equipment. And obviously, if people are building, if they're buying equipment, that supports people who manufacture equipment and people who build buildings. So um, the ripple effect of this is going to be really interesting to watch. Um, does it, we, we obsess about that building permit number and it's almost at the record is like $736 million, almost a quarter of a billion, three quarters of a billion dollars in building. It's a lot, but is the number as important as what's being built? No. And you know, the number needs to be put in a little bit of context because the cost of construction keeps going up too. So, you know, I don't know what the inflationary measurement would be to apply over the last decade or so, you know, but what is three quarters of a billion in 2005, 2006 dollars? I mean, you know, obviously we're continuing to see good, steady, organic growth, um, but the numbers may not tell the entire story if you take them at just face value. Absolutely what's being built is important. Diversity of projects is important. You know, fortunately for us, it's not one big ticket, $100 million building that's driving that. It's lots of really solid major projects in a lot of different sectors, including residential. Before we look at 
uh, and we, I do want to look forward to 2018 and some of the things that are on the horizon, but, um, let's look at the, the two big parts of 2017, uh, taking public out of it is medical and residential. So residential, um, what's going on with residential housing? We, we know there's not enough, right? Right. I should have brought the list. Well, the real estate numbers would tell you that it is at a, a historically low inventory, um, at the end of the year, the city of Sioux Falls was at about a 2.6-month supply. Um, a lot of pending sales happening to end the year. That's not something that we have seen in the past. Usually things just really slow down um, to end a calendar year. But that supply is extremely tight, particularly if you're under 300000 You start to get above that in certain ranges. Um, there is a bit more to choose from. You know, the challenge is trying to meet the need at those lower price points. And that's what I think is driving people to leave Sioux Falls in some cases. And that's something that needs to be top of mind for leadership in the community. Uh, this is a good story for the surrounding cities uh, in our region, but it's one that Sioux Falls needs to pay attention to. You don't want to start losing the first time home buyer or even that right. move up buyer. I think we, in a lot of ways, have been in the last few years because you can get, um, you know, I don't know that the housing in Brandon is that much lower, but it is in Del Rapids, Baltic, Parker. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. It would be interesting to look at the newly constructed single-family homes and see what you could find under 300000 It's tough. Yeah. And a lot of that is where we're building. As the land prices have gone up on the outskirts of the community, the housing prices go on with that. You add in the labor and the material costs of new construction, um, and a lot of new housing is starting well above 300. So uh, the ones that aren't might be more in the, the townhome category, the villa homes, you know, where you can get a little bit less, but that's not necessarily what that first time, second time home buyer with a family is looking for. No. And you know, if you, you can get a townhome, it run you 200,000, you know, that's not outrageous. I'm shocked by, obviously prices are going up everywhere. Values are going up everywhere, which everybody's happy about. But when you look at a house, say, uh, the Riverdale neighborhood, which is uh, over by Riverdale Park, east of Cliff Avenue, 24th Street, down into that area, those are normal, small little houses. And if you look at the prices of those, they're $175,000. That, that's a tough sell for a lot of people. And you want to be careful because it's the largest investment most people will make. Mm -hmm. And the market will change. That's the one thing that is certain. Um, so you want to make sure that you're able to at least hold on to that value as much as you can. I would not be surprised. I think we saw some of this last year. But going forward to see those renovation numbers tick up, you know, as more people decide that maybe I'm just going to stay put. Maybe I'm going to improve yeah. what I've got. I like my neighborhood. I'll add some square footage if I can because the options just are not there in many cases. Now, the other side of housing is multifamily, and that's been an interesting story to watch, too, because typically that cycle is supposed to be a lot choppier. It's supposed to go up and down a lot quicker, and we just have not seen that. Um, this might be the year that things uh, do slow down a little bit as far as new construction goes in multifamily, because the vacancy is higher, I would say, than a year ago. Uh, we should get new numbers shortly on that. That's always a moving target, too. But we have built an awful lot of new apartments. Mm -hmm. And we know there are still more coming this year. So once all those new units come online, you know, if we were to fast forward a year from now, I really mm -hmm. don't know how many new apartment projects we'll be talking about. And that's okay. You need to give things time to Lisa. We're talking to Jody Schwan. She is the founder of Sioux Falls Business about business and development, focusing on housing right now. The... Um, the interesting thing about that, too, is that in talking with Mike Cooper, Director of Building Services for the City and Planning, um, you know, we continue to grow at a very steady rate, but it's 5,000 people a year-ish 
you know, two, 3% now on 175,000 is a lot of people. So if that ticks up half a percentage point, a thousand people or whatever, then, you know, you're filling up apartments pretty fast. Well, that's part of the story behind multifamily. Absolutely. So you're new to town, you know, maybe it is, maybe you're a new grad, so it's a brand new situation for you and the apartment makes the most sense. Maybe you ultimately want a single family home, but you just can't find one because Mm -hmm. of the tight market we just talked about. So you're in an apartment. So that population growth drives multifamily. And the other thing is just the demographics as baby boomers continue to retire and continue to downsize and like that uh, apartment living option, Mm -hmm. particularly if maybe they've got a place somewhere else and they're only going to be here half the year. We see a lot of that as well as the millennial uh, resident who, frankly, just likes the amenities in these apartments. They're really nice uh, in a lot of cases. Um, Pretty all-inclusive lifestyle. You don't have to worry about uh, the maintenance on them. You know, in many cases, millennials are graduating with so much debt that it's hard to even get financing for that first home if they could find one. So Mm -hmm. all of those factors continue to support multifamily. Mentioning the baby boomers is really interesting because so you've got all these folks who are now approaching retirement age. And one of the first things you do is look at the equity that you have in the house. Prices have been going up, 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 up. And they could they could stop going up or go down. If you're nearing your retirement age, you're like, is today the day I capture that wealth? Yeah, for a lot of boomers, the seller's market is looking pretty attractive. You know, they're in a well-maintained home in a desirable neighborhood at a pretty good price point um, where they're going to do quite well when they compare to what they put into the home. They're probably going to sell fast. There are lots of options on the market, including in the the owner-occupied condo townhome category if they wanted to downsize. You you get a lovely uh, uh, loft or a condo up on top of Washington Square for a cool couple million, right? And that's what we're seeing them do. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that condo market was so unproven before Washington Square and uh, Jones 421. It's been fun for me to see them fill up very different buildings, um, you know, different clientele, but same story as far as continued interest goes. They're not full yet, but I mean, they're just getting finished. Mm -hmm. People are just able to walk through these buildings. The retail portion of Jones uh, 421 just opened. It's really neat. Yeah. yeah. The first portion of it did. We can talk about that in a little bit. Um, the condos though, you're right. There's people living there, right? In 421. There are people living in Jones. Now, the folks in Washington Square, many of them have uh, very little time in Sioux Falls this time of year. They're in much more desirable climates. Um, but <laughs> There's a very specific there. clientele there. Yeah, they're getting there. Um, the first people, I believe, are moving in uh, maybe even this month, February, March, you know, as they come back, the units are going to be ready. We're going to come right back and talk more with Jody Schwan, founder of SiouxFalls.Business at uh, SiouxFalls.Business. That's the that's the, the a URL. It's not SiouxFalls.Business.com or anything like that. Thank you, Patrick. You nailed it. SiouxFalls.Business. Uh, we'll be right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 433 on the Patrick Lally Couldn't Show. be happy in the city tonight. You can't see the stars from neon light. We continue our conversation with Jody Schwan, who is the founder of SiouxFalls.Business. And we're talking about business and development, looking forward to the new year. We we hit on housing, but another big part of what's going to happen, what did happen last year and what's going to happen in the next couple of years is medical buildings, med- medically related construction. And uh, the big hit there is Avera. They've, they've, that place is going to be big. I don't think I had any idea how big it was going to be. Another record this year. It will be due in large part to Avera and Louise, the 
first part of that came through in 17, but most of it will be permitted in 18. And this one is not going to be a one, two, or three-year project. I mean, this is a, a multi-year build-out of that site, that 80-acre site. Um, and I don't know that they have even fully conceptualized everything that's going to go there. But, you know, what's under construction now is phase one. Um, this is the new hospital, essentially, um, with that focus on orthopedics and uh, a couple other specialties. And after that, um, there's just a broad range of things, I think, that you're going to see built there. I mean, there will be some clinic operations. Uh, there will be some specialties that go out there, I would guess. Um, I don't know about backroom office, maybe. I mean, they're moving hundreds of employees to one of the buildings on the Citibank campus. So mm -hmm. my guess is short term, that'll take care of some of those needs. And I wouldn't rule out them doing some type of commercial development, you know, not themselves, but right. working with somebody um, to maybe try and attract a hotel and some retail to that site to support all the activity that's going to be happening there. Yeah, I you published a uh, like an aerial photo, a drone photo or something from the site, and you really can't uh, grasp how big <laughs> footprint it is until you see that. No, you know, I said to the folks at Journey Group who are the contractors on that, it's like they had created this little city on a piece of land that used to be farm ground, mm -hmm. not just a few months ago. And the operation that they have going there is really impressive. You, you can fully appreciate the scope of it from the sky, like you said. Um, but this is an, an everyday, you know, not quite round the clock, but uh, they certainly work all calendar year. I guarantee you they've been out there um, despite the cold this week. And uh, they're just moving along because they've got deadlines to meet. But you will see construction equipment on that site for years. And that's not, uh, you know overestimating the duration of that project is significant. What, what is the total estimate value of the project again? Well, I mean, we don't even know on oh. the whole site. You know, all we know is this first bit of it. And, and I want to say I don't have it in front of me because we combined work on the current campus um, oh, in sure. that neighborhood of 150 to 170. Um, work on the current <laughs> campus is happening right now. Million, I assume you yeah. included that. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're finishing up a, a rehab center on the top floor of Prairie Center, which right. I, I never knew that that wasn't fully built out, but that's happening. And then there's other work that's going to follow throughout this year on that main McKinnon campus. So there's construction occurring there. I want to say that totaled between 40 and 50 million. Oh, uh, so that's a big project. That's just, in just and all of itself. that together is big, right? It's interesting now. I mean, you see these things. Sanford has been building so much for so long that we start to just expect them to have a big project every year. Um, they finished Imaginetics this year. Uh, I think Ava's house, uh, some of these other things, well, but right. they, they've got, they've still got some stuff going on too. Right. I mean, they had, they got Eva Sanford done, um, Imaginetics, Ava's house, and then don't forget the Fargo Medical Center, oh, which yeah. was a huge, huge project for them, even though we didn't see it. So this year, uh, a little bit smaller scale, um, but still really neighborhood level service, I would say. So they have a, a medical center going in at 41st and Ellis, far west side, next to a Lewis Drug. And I believe the, the timeline is to open maybe in the summer with that one. And then, of course, downtown, which is exciting. I mean, it's not big by any means, but bringing mm -hmm. those medical services right to the core of the city is something that I think a lot of people have been looking forward to. So Sanford's going to partner with Lewis there, too, at 10th and Phillips. Yeah, that's um, going to be a great uh, little spot for people who live and work downtown. Absolutely. It's, it's been a missing element for quite a while. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to get off of Vera too fast because I think, you know, we do talk a lot about Sanford because they have done a lot and, you know, big sky operations. 
but the recent moves by Avera sort of demonstrate that they're doing just fine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, people-wise, I believe they're still the largest employer in South Dakota. Right. Um, they have a broad reach, you know, and, and the people side is a whole other narrative for them this year. Uh, we just ran a profile earlier this week on Dave Fleecheck, mm -hmm. the new CEO of Avera McKinnon. And uh, right before the end of the year, we announced that John Porter will be retiring, the CEO of Avera Health. So there are um, interviews, I believe, that are going to be starting here shortly, if they haven't already, um, with folks who might be interested in taking on that top job. John will remain until the end of the year or whenever a replacement is found, if it's before that, um, and they're able to do a little transitioning. So hmm. that's a huge, huge role. Um, they both are. And it'll be something we'll absolutely be watching this year. Yeah, that's a major position in the community. It'll be interesting to see, do you go outside for that? Um, they have not done that for a while, right? My sense is that they will look internally first. Mm -hmm. um, the sisters who make up the system board will have uh, a large say, I would believe, in whoever that new leader is, um, along with the, the entire board of the system. And my guess is if they could find the right fit internally, that would probably be their preference. But um, I certainly wouldn't rule out them looking a bit outside. Um, the CEO of Avera Heart came from outside the media system, um, Mick Gibbs, who also had already worked in uh, Rapid City, and I believe in Fargo. So they have a history of doing that, too. That's pretty amazing. Um, the the uh, uh, What they've got going on out there in that corridor, because, again, before we get off of Vera here. It's not just that hospital that they're building, which is big. They also have a lot of other facilities in right in that neighborhood. When you start to think that Avera Health headquarters is there, Avera Behavioral Health is there, the Heart Hospital is there. Right. And I think there's another building that says Avera out there that I don't know what it is. Uh, so corporate headquarters is out there. So I mean it's a you know very uh, Avera corridor yeah. from 69th and Louise uh, going west. It makes it convenient. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, they always said they were going to do that, but the, you know that they had all this land and that they were focusing on that area. But then when you actually see it, it's like, holy cow, that's a lot. They knew they needed room to grow going back years ago now. And, you know, there weren't too many places in town um, sort of going way on the outskirts where you could get enough land mm -hmm. in the same spot. And, and so they've, they've taken up all they can. I mean, Sanford, uh, their campus has grown a lot, but they kind of have room to grow in that there's housing stock around there, but it's it's purchasable and Avera done some of that, but they're sort of out of that too, because right. they're bounded by some things they can't solve. Right. And they, they both, I think have done a really good job of being transparent in their growth plans within the core um, and of acquiring as people are ready to sell. Not easy. It's never easy to build on the core, whether it's downtown or whether it's in an existing neighborhood. And, you know, you just, to me, you can't underestimate the importance of the fact that they continue to do that because the fact that they are located in two really central neighborhoods just keeps everything stronger. You know, mm -hmm. it makes it more desirable to live nearby. There are more services that locate nearby. You hate to see everybody just always building on the outskirts where yeah. there's more land. Well, it also causes a lot of transportation issues and infrastructure that we aren't going to get into here. Um, but suffice it to say, between the two hospital systems, They've contributed mightily to the building permit numbers over the last 5, 10, 15 they years. They definitely have. Uh, you know, the other one to watch for this year before you, you get off the topic is CityBank. So oh, that's we right. We still have not uh, announced the, the future site for CityBank, but that's going to be a good-sized building and a good-sized building permit. So. And Avera's um, taken some of their old space, but not right. all of it, right? Right. Yeah, there's still quite a bit of space. Eventually, that will be 
left to lease out there. Yeah, there were, what, three buildings? Three buildings. They're big. Mm-hmm. They're big. They're each at least 100,000 square feet. We're going to come right back with Jody Schwan of SiouxFalls.Business. We're going to talk, well, we'll talk some retail and some other stuff here coming up. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 445 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it's almost happy hour. So we're going to play happy hour by the house moons. For Jody Schwann from Business, who's going to leave the studio here in moments and, and go relax because it's been another hard day. Right, Jody? There are many who would say this music is very appropriate. So, yeah. <laughs> go for it. I, uh, I enjoy that song, but I enjoy the sentiment even more. Um, so let's talk about uh, a few things. One, the announcement that Ribfest is no longer. What's up with that? You know, I'm not supposed to be surprised by things, Patrick, right? I'm supposed to be on top of this and ahead of it. But this one did catch me by surprise that Ribfest is no longer. um, And so I followed up with SMG, uh, the producers of this. SMG, of course, manages the Premier Center and um, the Canary Stadium and the Orpheum and you know, when you think about it in that context, managing a music festival, Rib Fest, probably doesn't fit the portfolio anyway right. as far as an event, you know, but this is how these things evolve. So I said, what's up? Because um, I always thought it was crowded there. I mean, I go every year. And it was really interesting to talk to them about what went on behind the scenes. This is something they've been thinking about for a year or two, they said. So attendance peaked back in 2014 when they moved it to the fairgrounds. And after that, a few things happened the school district changed their calendar, which meant that graduation Hmm. was later in the year and conflicted with Ribfest. That's interesting. Right? Again, these sort of unintended maybe uh, or unforeseen consequences is probably the better way to put it. So there's that. Um, Just kind of bad luck with weather the last few years. Colder, uh, wetter, um, later into the year, that didn't help. And then this was really interesting. The cost of the artists has gone up. Really? Because across the country, there are more venues, particularly more casinos. And the casinos are hiring that same type of talent that mm-hmm. Ribfest did. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, these artists who, okay, let's face it, were maybe more of a bargain a few years right. ago. These people are in demand, right? They've got casinos calling them from all over the place. So the prices went up. And, you know, you book the artist, you're in, you're paying for it. Um, if the calendar's bad, if the weather's bad, you, right. you still got to pay the bill. So all of those things combined um, caused SMG and their partner in this Pepper Entertainment, which is probably a more logical entity to put it on, a um, lot of industry expertise to look at it and just say that it didn't make sense anymore. So um, I asked them, did you talk to anybody else about taking it over? I feel like there's groups out there that might be looking for something. Uh, they say they did. They say they talked to anyone that they would have thought uh, could be a fit. Nobody was interested, no takers. They looked at changing the venue and bringing it back to the Premier Center complex where it used to be. And that didn't make sense because there were conflicts with baseball and they didn't want to be in a position of having to turn away a concert if somebody wanted to come play here because they had parking taken up by Ribfest. They looked at moving it later in the summer and decided that, well, first of all, a lot of these national competitors who go to the the rib fest Mm -hmm. everywhere, there's kind of a circuit apparently. So once you're in, you're pretty much in for that time of year. Not that you couldn't change it, but 
could make the participation difficult. And then when they looked at the calendar, and I sympathize with this, but in Sioux Falls in the summer, there's something going on all the time. Right. Every and that's, weekend. During that brings the week. up the Levitt and what's going to be going on there. Right. If you've got 50 concerts free in the in downtown Sioux Falls, you better be pretty good if you're yeah. going to charge. So, I mean, I think it, it came out kind of out of the blue for a lot of people, me included. But, I mean, when you dig into it a little bit more, it seems like they, they really did do their due diligence. I mean, I couldn't think of anything more to ask by way of following up on this. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of this is the reality of the situation. Well, if F, if SMG thought it, they could make money off it, they would do it. Right. It's and not the quote that they don't got, like ribs. No. The quote <laughs> I got was, it's not a moneymaker. So, yeah, you know, break right. even is good if not even having to subsidize it a bit. Well, I mean, when you talk about the options, and I think the entertainment options for people in Sioux Falls in the last, since Rib Fest started, have changed enormously. And sometimes somebody gets a short stick. Um, you know, it's anytime you're doing something outdoors, it's too much risk. It's a lot of risk. You know, I put on my first outdoor event for 605 Made. It's scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was in that same situation. We paid a performer who never performed because of weather. Right. It, it's just what happens. And, you know, this is on a much smaller scale than yep. what these folks were doing. So um, I do sympathize. I, my head is sort of turning, though. I mean, in that same 605 genre about something local, we've got an awful lot of, you know, local uh, entities that I feel like would be great participants in something. Well, didn't uh, Straw Bale Winery start Straw Bale Winery own? does one, yep, in yep. Uh, late July, I believe. Yeah, so maybe that one will get bigger. Maybe. It's a great spot out there, Straw Bale it's Winery, out, out there. by Runner. Yeah, if, if you've, you've never not been, been out there. Yeah, it's, they have great sangria. I'm going to say that. Great sangria in the summer. Um, retail, uh, I want to talk, we talked about 421 Jones, but it, it, the retail space there opened, Source, Swamp Daddy, uh, the Puzzle Store, or Game Store, it's really pretty cool in there. I didn't I didn't understand it when you were talking about it before it happened. Like years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But it's well, pretty it's hard, cool. It's hard to get your head around that if you've not seen it. You know, micro retail is a trend in retail. So these little spaces, um, they locate together. They can co-promote. You can feed off each other's traffic. And a building like the Jones so lends itself to this. And it's going to be really fun to watch the businesses opening on the other side, the historic side, to see what they do with their spaces. Um, the first three to open have done a great job. Uh, really capturing, I think, the vision for this micro-retail marketplace. A fun coffee shop, great little game store, and then um, Swamp Daddies really gave a nice look to their space, uh, Louisiana kind of flair to it. So I wish them a lot of success. Always pity businesses that open this time of year that depend on any kind of foot traffic. Mm-hmm. So um, if you have not checked this out yet, it is on Phillips Avenue and 6th Street in the Jones Marketplace, uh, go ahead and, and wander up there and you know find a place to park and, and check it out because we want to make sure we support them in these winter months while they get started. What's going on, on the other side? On the other side of that is the historic, um, the, the new construction open first. Yeah. Historic side open next, and that is a flower shop, a gelato shop, and a Mediterranean grill. Mm. There's also a massage therapy business that's going to open in the next couple months kind of toward the back of the marketplace. The Mediterranean Grill will help me with uh, vegetarian January. I bet it will. Because it's vegetarian January, people. Although it probably won't be open for that. When's it going to open? Oh, I think March. Ah, they missed vegetarian January. That's a huge... There might be some kind of seafood at the Cajun place. That's true. I could eat that. Right? Yeah, you know, anytime rice and vegetables, you'll be all right. What what, uh, we've been talking about downtown a lot, uh, other retail stuff. 
There's more stuff coming at Lake Lorraine. What's what's the next big retail opening in our community? Next big Lake Lorraine opening will be DSW uh, National oh, that'll Shoe be Business big. next month. Don't have an, an opening date yet, but I think February is what they were saying. And then Kirkland's, uh, again, National you know, Home uh, Furnishings Business is going to finish off that long stretch of retail that opened uh, last fall at Lake Lorraine. Now, Kirkland's doesn't have any association with Kirkland, which is the Costco brand, At right? At first I thought they did, but no. That's just a strange Kirkland coincidence. Signature is the, the private okay. label Costco brand. Ah, it's got a signature on there. Kirkland Signature. Um, but that DSW opening, that's a big deal because... The, I've I've spent some money at a DSW in my life. All that retail supports each other, you know. Um, it's just great to see. So, uh, any other retail we need to watch? I mean, it's the the what about the Ford spot? What's oh, going there? Gosh, um, on Forty First Street. You got me in trouble last time this conversation came up, didn't we? We better be careful here. Um, so I there's like nothing that. to announce on that one oh, okay. yet. Um, I just keep waiting, okay? So a little behind the scenes on this. I really think there have been multiple iterations of plans for that property. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is among the most sought-after retail properties in the market, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're right on the Empire Mall's campus. The fact that Sears is not leaving Empire Mall, we know that now as of a couple weeks ago, uh, or last week even, um, really, I think, means that... Things will start to, to happen there soon. Um, hopefully this spring we can talk about something. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Uber producer Dan Peters is putting that on our, our calendar for okay. the spring. So yeah, we'll I'm be hope- all over that. I'm hopeful. I, I've heard a, a lot of different things floating around. Every single one of them would make people in Sioux Falls happy. So that's really <laughs> all I can say. It's a win, point. win, win, yeah, people. Yeah, whatever ends up coming there, you're, you're going to like it. Uh, Jody Schwan, she's the founder of Business, and you can find her work and her staff at uh, Business online, also Facebook and Twitter. And am I leaving anything else out? All the different ways you can Sign connect with Jody. Sign up for the uh, email newsletter. Yes, You're on I the get email that. newsletter. You I get that. that, right? Yes, it's yeah. very good. Twice a week, something like that. Twice a week. Yeah. It's called In the Know, which I kind of like. So if you want to stay mm. in the know. In the know. Sign, it's free. Sign up for it. It is very good. It always I, reminds me to go look at stuff, so... Uh, Jody, thanks for coming in. As usual, thanks we for learned a lot. Me. Uh, we'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 457 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Don't forget, everybody, January 27th, that's a Saturday. It's the big Sioux Empire on tap, part of KSOO and Results Radio at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. Sample over 100 craft beers from more than 60 breweries. Two general admission sessions to choose from, or a VIP session if you're really into beer. There will be live music, games, and food available for purchase. Get your tickets now, SiouxEmpireOnTap.com. I'll be out there at some point. More on that later. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we've got mayoral candidate David Zakaitis. He's going to be in. That's going to be fun. I, I just know it's going to be fun. The Buffalo Maiden will check in from the Black Hills Bureau for Weird Friends, and Carmen Toff will be here to tell us about feminine hygiene products drive for the banquet we'll see you all tomorrow this is the patrick lally show information 1000 k s o o